Hey guys, I don't know if you're like me, but I love Count the Dings and everything it has to offer. I just can't find everything I need. You know, I know about Cinephobe and I know about the mailbag and I know about Bomb, but that's all we do, right, I mean? No, we do so much more. What? Yeah, absolutely. If you sign up, patreon.com slash count the dings, you'll find a plethora of other content, fresh content, extended content, the OG pod overflow, the Cinephobe cold opens that we've taken and made their own thing to live only there the re-watchingtons bomb and it's full Ooh. and unadulterated cut early drops of cinephobe episodes and so much more said the og pod now is it new or is it old mace i'm glad you asked that it is a new incarnation mm-hmm. of the old og pod oh. so it's me zach trey Waz, tom i love those guys just like we always were going back to the true hoop days mm-hmm. we're recreating that magic recapturing it and putting it back out we're talking hoops we're talking pop culture and most importantly we're talking for 40 minutes for free mm-hmm. but then another specific patreon exclusive segment for every one of those episodes funny enough about that og pod you're getting tom and trey on mondays you're getting me and waz aka zosny on wednesdays Amin's floating in between i'm a floater you never know when you're gonna get Amin in those so you gotta listen to them all and what if i'm not sure what maze looks like because i've always thought he's a fat man with a fedora he's got a weird voice how can i see for myself what this maze character actually looks like it's crazy you don't know the answer to this mm. because it's the cinephobe pod youtube page what the ct5s on the cinephobe pod youtube page you can look at all of us you can get all the og pods on youtube too at count the dings one on youtube at cinephobe pod on youtube patreon.com slash count the dings gets you everything all in one feed you can link it to your spotify and now enjoy the show This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Tom, it is upon us. It is here. Season 17, first episode in the books. This is Pack Your Knives. I'm Kevin Arnovitz. And I'm Tom Haberstroh. Tom, you are off to a rip-roaring start. <laughs> there were some surprises. There was some stuff that was absolutely predictable. Gregory is a juggernaut. I think we saw some interesting jockeying. We saw a little little California beach cooking. And this is going to be very interesting. A lot of teams. I was very confused. There's a lot of teams trying to figure out who was on who and first team, second team, third team. But um, Yeah, traditionally when you have to go to the non-primary color apron, the, the aqua, the chartreuse, the fuchsia, <laughs> the periwinkle. Like, like there are a lot of teams, a lot of teams. A lot of teams, um, but I'm excited to see everyone back at work here. And, uh, man, um, Gail looks great after missing so last season. nice to see Gail. She can characterize with one sentence everything you need to know about a dish. Uh, she is the most precise judge. 
in terms of just general review and appraisal. She's super cool. She is earnest, and I love earnest, as you know, Tom. Um, mm-hmm. in, in the age of snark, I am I am a uh, I am a proponent of urge, earnestness. So um, glad to have her back. Glad to have her back. We started at Griffith Park Observatory. Opening shot, uh, just just right over the hill. You can actually see the observatory from my home, uh, and. There was going to be a mise en place challenge. We were going to see who's going to be James Dean and who's going to be Sal Minio at the Griffith Observatory. Um, mm. This was interesting, and I love Kevin Gillespie's explanation because, like, you know, who, like the favorites kind of had trouble in this challenge, and, and, and Kevin kind of described it as he has the PFTS for the kind of work that the judges <laughs> demanded, which is people for that shit. So it was kind of interesting, Tom, to see the – the name celebrity chef sort of like wilt under the cracking of almonds. Whereas those who have more immediate experience with prep were just ripping shit up. Yeah. Like look at that third team, the last team, it was Gregory, Eric, Jen, Leanne, and Angela. That's a monster team. That's a great team. So to your point, it felt like, uh, you know, maybe some of the best chefs in the power ranking, their average power ranking probably would be the third team, right? Like that is, that is a strong team there. Right. So, I mean, we, we had, you know, at the end, yeah, that, that, I mean, Gregory and Eric. So you had basically number one and three on your board, one and four on my board. And, um, you know, how would you, sh- how would you shuck an almond? I have, how no would you crack idea. an almond? Yeah. But you know, when Brian was talking about that little toy soldier nutcracker, like my grandfather had something akin to that. I don't think it was a soldier, but it was just like, like the massive nutcracker on that wooden bowl. And those almonds have been there since like 1949 <laughs> collecting <laughs> dust. Exactly. Yes. That no one ever touches. Um, but, uh, yeah. And, and the, there was a, an advantage finishing early, got the red team, a, a little bit of a head start. The items were an artichoke citrus, in almonds, so so that is going to be the base of the quick fire, and you know we 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 got the first glimpse of who these chefs are and what they want to do. Um, it started with the red team that was Sasto, Kevin, Melissa, Voltaggio, and Jamie. They were, but it might no, almost, no, 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 no. I'm almost, sorry, I'm sorry. It was blue who finished first, right? Uh, no, it was red. Oh, right, team right, red okay. finished first, and Voltaggio almost didn't get in that first team he tried very very hard to be on that first team yeah so um two early checks right 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 yeah so so that that was a little interesting is i, I think there should have been some penalty for for having the uh having the judges <laughs> you should be in a penalty box yeah, you have to like wait yeah, for 30 exactly, seconds before you exactly. get back in so um you know it's interesting and so so we have our first glimpse also not just of of the chefs themselves in quick fire but kind of how they're gonna function on a team Right. You get a little glimpse of who's the asshole, who's accommodating, who's the, the sort of assertive take charge person who doesn't offend, uh, who are the wallflowers, who are the accommodationists. Very interesting human dynamic, especially given that, as you say, this is an all star season and you ain't brought back unless you're like Jen Carroll and you're willing to go tell the judges to go fuck themselves or you're Lisa. You're willing to tell everybody to go fuck themselves. I mean, by and large, they choose strong personalities because. It's a competition reality show, and you want strong personalities. And I feel bad for Joe here because right off the bat, Brian Malarkey just takes the wheel. Even though he's not the captain of the team, he basically tells Joe, hey, here's the dish you're going to make. Wait, are we talking about we're we're still on the elimination or we're we're still in the quick fire or the elimination? Well, we're going with the quick – right after the quick fire when those teams are are sorted out. I kind of felt like when you start to see those teams – take shape and the dynamics within those teams and who is the alpha and who's who takes over uh that that team with uh not to jump the gun i didn't know if you were going to go at this point but joe joe kind of sat there and listened as brian was like malarkey said hey why don't you do a flatbread clam pizza and he was like okay i guess i'll do that so back to the quick fire. So it was interesting because everybody was sort of on their best behavior right at first, right? And so we had, uh, you know, it was sort of the get to know you. Everybody's kind of sniffing each other out. Yeah. Um, we got we got Kevin, we got Sasto, Melissa, Voltaggio, Jamie. Really strong group out of the box. Um, by the way, Melissa's showing strong early on. I got to tell you, of the sort of middle of the pack judge uh, contestants, 
Melissa's telling strong. So, so they go with the char grilled artichoke with the sumac yogurt and tahini. Tom, it is the year of sumac. I don't know if you've noticed it in your eating experiences. Everybody is doing sumac. We're sort of in a moment of elevated Middle Eastern and sumac, that, that, that deep red, the tangy, almost citrusy flavor. You see it in all that za'atar you're seeing on everything. Uh, so they come out with that. And then, mm. and then, of course, of course, Tom, what's Joe Sasto going to do in a quick fire challenge? What looks like big tortellini. He doing pasta. And it, pasta. as Tom Calicchio said, uh, it's like we never left. So <laughs> even though it's a quick fire, Joe needs no encouragement. He's going to go pasta. Uh, Blue team's got some really interesting looking stuff. Um, they've got, uh, you know, Karen kind of takes charge with this really. And by the way, you know, I'm bullish on Karen. And she comes right out of the bat. Mm-hmm. Crispy artichokes with a mint vinaigrette with citrus segments. Love the mint citrus kind of uh, combo there. Uh, and Especially when you got something fried, you want to brighten it up a little bit. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, because the, the mint gives you that, 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 that sort of freshness. The citrus gives you the acid. Uh, and Nini uh, comes out with artichoke tempura, one of two artichoke tempura dishes with, and she's got her Asian aioli, the fish sauce, chili oil, citrus combo. Um, by the way, just a reminder of how excited I am to see Nini cook. We didn't get to see enough Nini. Last season, I am thrilled to watch her cook. And then you have the green team where you have that paper mache artichoke tempura by, um, <laughs> by Leanne. The pan- the pancake tempura. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Oh, it looked like some Hungry Jack going on there. And, and then you have the artichoke crudo. I, I love that. And I don't mean to throw too much shade here, Tom. But I love crudo is now like kind of definition creep. That anything that just isn't fully prepared, we're kind of just tossing it on the plate as a crudo. And yeah, and it's basically like we're not going to do a hell of a lot with this ingredient. Let's just call it a crudo. Yeah, I just had some goldfish crackers earlier. Is that a crudo? Just like a handful of goldfish? <laughs> yes, the, that's the goldfish crudo. crudo. That is that is a crudo. <laughs> um, so so yeah, um, interesting right off the bat. And, and and again, the the keep it the kiss system, the keep it simple, stupid. When you've got fifteen contestants. What are the duds? Invariably, the duds are pasta and tempura, right? Yeah, let me ask you about this, Kevin, because I feel like there is sort of an advantage to having a clock where you know I have 15 minutes. The other people, even though they get there first, they have more time to prepare. It's an uncertain clock that they're working with. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, I don't know how much of an advantage it is to get there first when, you know, I don't know if it's 45 minutes or if it's 30 minutes or if it's 15. That open-ended clock almost feels like a disadvantage to me. Maybe it mitigates the advantage somewhat. I just don't think that that is, I don't know, if I'm if I'm choosing how much time I want, an uncertain amount, I kind of feel like you want to have a little bit of a countdown. You know, it's so you, you bring up a question I think we talked about with a lot of judges, which is one of the great questions for any top chef judge is do you want the limitations, be it time, be it cooking uh, technique and appliances, or do you want the four hours in the kitchen of a gourmet restaurant? You can just – you shop the day before you were planning the meal. And, and it is, and it's a theme that already surfaces. This is one of the you, – you've touched on one of the greatest sort of strategic and really just temperamental questions. Some chefs love the limitations. Some chefs don't. And actually true. And, and, and see, that that's sort of, I think, where, where Joe – and we, we saw it in both the elimination, which we'll get to in, in, in the in the quick fire, where – you know, Joe has a repertoire where give him three hours to make a refined oh, pasta. He'll crush Man, it. Joe, I, there, there are a few people I want more than Joe Sasto in that situation. And, and because he has time to edit, you know. Um, but sure, here's it yet again where the pasta, and look, no one's going to make pasta like him, but, 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 but sort of confines himself to this truncated period of time. It ends up to be a little too rich. Uh, and, and again, with the tempura. Now, by the way, Nini nailed her tempura. Leanne didn't. But uh, this was an interesting quick fire because you kind of got the sense that the best average dishes were the blue team. Um, but if you they the judges did something interesting, they sort of chose the mm. best dish. And it was that char grilled artichoke with the sumac yogurt and tahini. I think it was suggested that Kevin Gillespie was the was the driving force behind that dish. And it elevates the red team. They sort of they 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 get the. They get first, even though they uh, they had to suck um, uh, Sasto's uh, uh, tortellino, 
with the artichoke miso filling, but yep. they win. So let's talk scoring here. Yeah, this is so a tough they, one. I, I I felt for you, my friend. So here's one. Here's my thinking. Okay, they all won. So by the technical definition, they should each get three points because they won the quick fire. However, my feeling is, and if you feel differently, let me know. My feeling is we don't want quick fire to outweigh the elimination challenge, but by giving out three points to each of the five contestants, we're, we're giving out 15 points for the quick fire. And I kind of feel like in normal circumstances, you give out three points for the winner and then one point each for those that were in the top three of the quick fire. So that's five total points, right? In this instance, my intuition is to give one point to each of the five contestants especially because we don't know for a fact who was at the top or at the bottom so we're not going to penalize uh uh joe sasto for having a bad dish and we're also not going to give him three for having a dish that uh that we know the judges didn't like very much so my inclination is to give one point for each of the five contestants rather than three yeah it's a tough one because i think if 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 you didn't know there was a formatted scoring system i think you would have watched that segment and say the big winner was gillespie he spearheaded the winning dish uh to some extent you have to as you say provide the support staff and the in the in the team itself with some reward uh even though joe sasto arguably had the worst dish of the day right and then i think you would also say and i'm not i'm not begging for this is not about my contestants and i'm going to defer to your judgment on this but you know i feel badly for nini you know, she spearheads what might have been the second best dish of the day. And, you know, if anyone's going to take, uh, you know, actually, you, you don't all, you don't give a quick fire bottom three, do you? You don't you don't. No. Those. Yeah, we don't. Do no. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's an interesting dilemma, because as you say, you don't want to distribute too many points because that then overweights the quick fire. And while we think Kevin might have been the driving force and kind of the quote win. It, it was a team effort, and it's a tough call. I mean, I defer to you. You always you always kind of operate fairly, so you do what you need to do. I feel like it's one point for each because there's just a lot of ambiguity here. I agree with you. I think that Kevin had the the, the best dish, but we just don't know who was helping to prepare that. Right. or, or the, Right. So, so it does seem strange that somehow Sasto and Kevin would come out of the quick fire with the same result. It does. Yeah. It does anyway, but I, I defer to you. You will, you will, let, you will, uh, you will, you will make the trade call with the league and tell them what you want to do here and uh, <laughs> or a scoring call. All right, how about this? I will, I will do the one point for each uh, uh, winning team member, and then if people have a huge problem with this, who are people in the, by com- the way? Just you and me. What? Are, who are people? If, if listeners. Oh, listeners. Okay. If listeners yes. have a huge. Listeners out there who have a huge uh, problem with the one plus one plus one plus one or, or the one each for each of the quickfire winners, let us hear it. Um, I'm willing. I'm willing to hear people's ideas. So we'll, I'm going to go. My my thinking was either one or three for each player, and I kind of I didn't realize that we might be doling out points different differently within the within the winning team. I mean, so my vote would be if we knew everything we needed to know, three to the spearheader of the best dish in one to the support to the other four yeah that would be my but i uh, there's no way of knowing we think gillespie was the catalyst of that dish but we don't know but in this in this episode uh i feel like we don't get as much behind the scenes because there's so much to get into yeah so let's go with one for each and see how it goes and if it feels worse after we record and into next week maybe we can make an amendment but so so that is the quick fire and so tom what happens next, I think, was one of the most fascinating segments of this episode. And that was, we, we, you and I had our own draft last week. But to watch the chef's draft was a fascinating exercise, right? Because, and, right. And the order in yes. which they draft. That, that, so, that was my point. Yeah, exactly. Wait a minute. Kevin, why does Brian get the first pick? I don't know why does Brian get the first. Although I, I assume with the snake draft, you know, first is also your you get first, but you also get the bottom of the barrel too. So I mean, I you know, like I I don't I don't have a huge problem. In fact, I'd almost rather be like I think I'd rather almost be. Um, 
I don't want to be stuck with anyone. To me, there are, there are a lot of good choices. I just want to make sure that I don't have because if you pick last, you essentially say I'm not going to get one of my bottom four. That's a pretty good piece of insurance, Tom. There is that is, but I I'm wondering because you know back to the quick fire scoring. Do you think this is some sort of power ranking for how the judges viewed that those dishes? Because it what the order that the judges went with was Brian, Kevin, Jamie, Joe, and Melissa. I'm going to guess they drew straws of some kind. Yeah. Oh. I'd love to hear the backstory so, on that. So, so he, he Brian goes with Eric. Yeah, he goes with Eric. Now, that makes sense. Not only is Eric just insanely talented, but he worked for Beltagio. They're both yeah. kind of Maryland, D.C. guys. Um, Gillespie takes Jen Carroll. Uh, I think they were on a finale together. And, you know, apparently Jen has a real strength with seafood. Yes, she uh, cooked with... Uh, Repair and it, it was she's the seafood queen as Kevin called her. Um, Jamie has an easy pick here, right? Like you go with Gregory; he's the best chef in the competition. Easy call, in in, in my opinion. And Joe goes with Leanne. I think that was a very interesting selection because now you could argue, as we found out about Leanne, she is a, she is actually a producer on the show. So if anybody has a, I, I do think that that offers a certain advantage but i thought it was very interesting um because don't forget he you know he had nini if he wanted her who was uh, a contestant on her show i mean you know karen's out there uh stephanie's out there so it was a, it was a very neat selection and then and then uh melissa gets the snake the the the, the bend of the snake she takes mm-hmm. she takes angelo and karen and she says something very interesting tom this was about temperament and personality she wanted chill she wanted chill, and you know what she got? She got chill, and, and, and it was paid off. I mean, I think it's fair to say, and, and we don't get too far ahead, but uh, it, it seems like they kind of came in second there um, in, 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 the, in the final. So they were a fairly successful team. Uh, then they, we snake around, Malarkey, then Stephanie, and the final two were Nini and Lisa. I got to tell you, I was shocked Nini was ninth, just absolutely shocked. She didn't have much to work with in terms of uh, track record. So maybe people are, are feeling like, hey, I, I know that she was successful in her three rounds or three weeks, but I just don't know enough about Nini. Um, I was absolutely not shocked that Lisa was 10. She was last in ours. Yeah. Um, but so this, is, so this is what we got. We got right off the bat the red team. I, did you realize, you know, that, by the way, what was so interesting, and I was texting with our friend Mina Kimes uh, the other night about this. You kind of once we once you start airing the episodes, you realize how long it's been since we've seen. You know, we 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 both concluded that we didn't remember Brian Voltaggio being as empirically attractive as he as he was. We didn't remember Brian Malarkey being as swishy as he was. Yeah. Um, and so and, it was just kind of there were all these flashbacks. It's like, really, was that who this guy is like? And you realize, yeah, like fourteen years ago, that's what the person was like. Yeah, we always knew that Jen was was you know spicy, right? And um, she 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 says she's grown up and she's different now. And everyone kind of everyone said the same thing. I wanted I want the person who says, "Yeah, I'm uh I'm I was better twelve years than I was (laughs) fourteen years ago." I you know I was an impressionable, differential, hardened over the last year with a lot of hunger, and now I'm just a now I'm somebody who rests on my laurels and basically <laughs> I have no time for anybody and you know and I and I become a curmudgeon in my my old middle age. Yeah, everyone seems to be mellowed out. Um except Brian because he's fucking bossy. And as you said earlier, he is calling the shots on Joe Sasto's team. The next thing you know, Joe Sasto is now saddled with having to make a New Haven clam pizza. Shouts to Pepe's. Shouts to Pepe's. Yeah, yeah I want to. I want to go to this. I went and jumped the gun earlier because um, I. I don't know. Maybe I'm not sleeping with the six month old here, but I. I realize, Joe. This was a premonition, a foreshadowing. He is the captain of this team. He picks Brian, and man, he probably has a lot of uh, buyer's remorse there, right? Yeah, I, I've got to believe so. Because um, he, he he sits there and takes it where he's just like. Um, yeah, I guess, uh, we'll do the uni, um, which is great. I, I, I would love to eat pounds and pounds of, of uni, right? Like I'm there, but the idea of, Hey, you should do a flatbread. You should do a clam pizza. You should do all those things. How do you feel about that? Sounds good. All right, good. Ready to go. And as Leanne says, yada, 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 yada. And man, that, that must've been one of those moments where Joe was like, uh, can we do a redo on this draft, please? Yeah. 
I mean, Joe had a tough week, and you know, I, but I want I want to speak a little bit to Flatbread for a second. Um, Tom, we've debated. I don't think we've debated. Actually, I think we firmly agree that when you're at the early stages of the competition, a ton of contestants. You know, nobody likes to say they're a play it safe, but it does go back to you don't have to outrun the bear. You just have to outrun the other guy. You don't even have to outrun like that many other guys. You just have to outrun one out of 13. And I, and I understand that you come to this competition. It's go big or go home. But here's what I would ask, Tom. Is flatbread going big? Are you what is the upside of flatbread? Are you going to win a competition with flatbread when half the competition has these well-composed seafood showcase dishes. Like, when is Flatbread going to win a seafood competition? I would understand if you want to take a risk um, that that is high risk, high reward. But to me, Flatbread on an open fire, Tom Haberstroh, is high risk, low reward. I mean, at the end of the day, it's flatbread with some shit on it. Like, you're not – like, you know, pasta is one thing, right? Because, like, a great pasta, wow. And and Joe showed us last season that a great pasta can often be the best dish in the competition. But I just – like, on a seafood open flame competition, what is the best flatbread is going to do? It's flatbread. You know, unless you're, by the way, Nancy Silverton – you know, is the only person and in, 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 you know who was on that set who could win with flatbread, and, and I just don't understand. This seems to me low reward, high risk. Um, you know, when Joe is left the kitchen, a cousin, he is, is, is flatbread flatbread a cousin of pasta? Like, like is this something yeah, that Joe I mean, was like? You know what? I I if I'm gonna go open flame, I'm not gonna do a big meat. I'm just gonna try to do a giant pasta. Yeah, it's a flatbread. It's, it's the cousin of pasta. If like the cousin's the one who's on who's uh, kind of on meth and like living out in, you know, the hinterlands and that's your cousin like that. that that's the cousin it is. I mean, I, I look, Very I rarely I, do I order a yeah, flatbread. When is the I last time the- I mean, you and I go out a lot. I mean, when do you ever go to a place and say, I mean, look, you've got it like Joseph Centeno has Baco Mercat. And I don't know if we've, we've gone there together. You've come to Los Angeles. No. Like, like he does the, the, the sort of Baco, um, the, these, the, these very specific flatbreads. I mean, there are exceptions but man, you're not going to win with flatbread. You're going to bet best get by with flatbread. And you might very well lose, especially if the – you know, if, 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 if Sasto has a wood oven, or like, a, like a, you know, a coal – like speaking of Pepe's Pizzeria in New Haven, which we both love. If you've got a coal-fired oven, I get it. If you've got some special apparatus that's going to enhance flatbread, I get it. But this just seems like a really odd week. To come out of the gate with flatbread when you've got, you know, you looking over there and you got you got Gregory working with salmon. You got some scallops over there. You got people with with tuna loin and the eye of the swordfish and 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 Eric with a gorgeous looking prawn. Like you're not gonna win with flatbread. You can only lose with flatbread, Tom Haberstroh. It was it was tough. That was a tough decision. I mean, Joe, again, was he cornered into that? I yeah, believe I, I feel like I believe. I believe he might have said, I think it was Joe who said he was going to do a flatbread. And then Brian said, hey, clam pizza, um, clam pie. Now, I think also if you're going to do a flatbread, do you do a, a mayonnaise and uni topping, garlic mayonnaise and uni topping? I don't know. That seems just a lot of a lot of goo. sogginess, a lot of right? Goo. It, yeah, yeah. And look, I don't want to belabor the point on Joe's decision to go with flatbread, but mm, fell flat. Yeah, I, I might. And again, this is I always on this show try to not play Monday morning quarterback with chefs because they're the chefs. But I just wonder I, I if I'm going to do a flatbread, it's going to be pesto. It's not going to be aioli like. Um, Hello, listener. Guess who's back? It's me, Anthony Mays, your favorite butcher turned podcast producer. And I'm here to talk to you about ButcherBox. ButcherBox is the most convenient way to get high quality meat and seafood that you can trust delivered straight to your doorstep, free shipping, vacuum sealed packaging. It's ready to go right then. It's ready to pop in the freezer. You get exclusive member deals and a variety of high quality cuts at an amazing value. Going to the grocery store can be a huge pain. 
You're usually in a rush at an inconvenient time. You're waiting in line at the meat counter. You're taking a number. Maybe this place doesn't have a number. You're jostling with fellow customers. You're trying to get that ribeye that you want or that nice piece of salmon. Maybe the butcher that you're dealing with has a bad attitude or something. I don't know. That was never me. I promise. But maybe it happens. Butcher Box takes all of that out of the picture. You are always prepared with meat and seafood in the freezer, and you're not going to find quality for this price anywhere else other than ButcherBox. So sign up at butcherbox.com dings, D-I-N-G-S, and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com dings and use code dings, D-I-N-G-S, to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. You know, and, and I think I would have gone that way. Like there's probably, there are ingredients that the flatbread can accommodate. And I, I just don't know that the aioli is one of them. Um, Brian, for his part, did a very nice looking dish that I frankly look fantastic. Um, yes. Uh, spot prawn, crudo, hibiscus, ponzu, charred avocado. I got to tell you, um, he's bossy, but he came out of it well. And then you had Leanne. Leanne with um, one of those dishes, I think, Tom, you and I on paper were like, mmm, shoya glazed halibut, charred mm. corn, a miso bear blanc, uh, uh, uni. You know, Looks like, like it has all the textures there, the crispy uh, on top. Then you have the uni right underneath it on top of the halibut. Man, that is on paper a great dish. Yeah, and we'll come back to it. Let's go to the grudges table. So, so the yellow team, Tom, and you gotta love. By the way, your your boy Jamie's, uh, you know, kind of came out of the box pretty strong. I mean, I know he got wow. dinged on the, the on the ember. Drive. The ember milk there was. What fan- is I that? love that idea. I am that dying. Was brilliant. We need to get Jamie on because I want to hear more about embers and cream. I never in a million years like <laughs> that's fantastic. Um, now the yellow team delivered the meal we expected and deserved. Says Nancy Silverton. Can I can I wax on Nancy for a second here? Yes, um, please wax. wax Nancy on. Silverton is a national culinary treasure with mark peel and i i think they were a couple and i think they, they've since split she she opened what might be one of the two or three most important restaurants in los angeles in the last 30 years and that was campanile on la brea it's the space now occupied by republic next to it was la brea bakery um and apart from spago and, and you know you can love spago you can hate spago it is it is a just a, a, a formative restaurant in Los Angeles's restaurant renaissance. And, but Campanile is right there with it. And actually, I think she worked at Spago. Um, but she is fantastic. And, and, and Campanile really got the ball running on a certain kind of like farmer's market cuisine. Um, I think one reviewer back in the 90s referred to it as urban rustic, all the things we love. She uh, then started the Moza complex. Have you been to Pizzeria Moza or uh, Osteria Moza or Kispaka when you've come here, Tom? No, I haven't. All right. By the way, even though it's known for you talking about flatbreads, I mean, Moza is a pizzeria. Um, it also has the, my favorite dessert in Los Angeles, the butterscotch budino, Tom, with a little salt on the top. Best Ooh. dessert in Los Angeles. Um, but – how hilarious was Nancy Silverton on the the strawberry ambrosia? Wow! Like, who brings the Jello mold to the potluck? Um, she is hilarious. I hope we see her every week. She is a culinary treasure. I've always known that. What I didn't know is how brilliantly hilarious she is as a Top Chef judge. She was amazing. And uh, Jeremiah Tower, I kind of did a little bit of homework on him. Uh, his Wikipedia says he is one of the pioneers of the culinary style known as California cuisine. He is from born in Stamford, Connecticut. Shout out. And by to the Stanford. way, could he be more waspy? Oh my God. <laughs> He's like a headmaster uh, in friggin' dead poet society or something. He attended Harvard university, earning a BA and then completing his MA at Harvard Graduate School of Design. Get this, okay? After earning a master's degree in architecture from Harvard University, he had intended to pursue design of underwater structures in Hawaii because of his obsession with finding the lost city of Atlantis. That, um, <laughs> yeah, that is, yeah. 
he he looks like someone who uh has a crest um like his family crest is on his on his uh blazer um uh like like a like a the family seal or was it called the family like a family shield, or yeah yeah it's that a, is like in his pocket square like on his on his the breast of his jacket like he is uh he he was the guest judge right yes he was he he, he, he was at the end and this um, this this staff the staff of judges or the guests at this dinner was like having Larry Bird Bill Russell Oscar Robertson Will Chamberlain Kareem LeBron and Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan all at the same dinner do you know what I learned is that Suzanne Gowen is far more introverted than I imagined she was hmm um she is uh she's incredible she is my favorite chef so Tom, if you if you had to ask me like which chef inspired me to really take up cooking in Los Angeles, the answer is Suzanne Gowen. Um, Eliza Miner, who was one of her sous chefs at AOC, was my tenant upstairs for many, many years um, in my duplex. And so I got to kind of kind of get a peek into the Suzanne Gowen world. I had all her cookbooks. Um, Eliza taught me so much um, about cooking. And I just love the simplicity. If you've ever been to Luke? It's one of those restaurants that was the hot place in the late 90s. Talk about urban rustic. It was very much in that spirit. Uh, a place now you can pretty much get a table when you want, but is still awesome. AOC. Uh, she, is, she, is a, she is a giant in farmer's market-driven cooking in Los Angeles. Simple protein, really bright flavors, work with greens. I love you. If you've eaten at my house, Tom, chances are you've had something out of the, the Sunday suppers from Suzanne going cook. Mm. So I'm with you, man. Like, like the judge, I was every bit as bowled over by the judge's table as, as the chefs were. She just kept going. Pa- Padma was just like reading off the list. I was like, how many, how many A-listers are we going to get here? Wow. And uh, I believe it was Kevin who said, and here we have resurrected Christ joining right, us. For right, the right. Like Jesus Christ himself is going to be like, yeah, I didn't like the hibiscus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so that was great. The yellow team rocked air. Uh, I, I got to tell you something. Tom Gregory is a monster. Like I kind of oh, feel like yeah. I'm watching like Warriors 15, 16. Like, is he going to lose a challenge this season? Like I know it's early, but talk about remorse for not having the one pick. Gregory is insane. The Sam, and by the way, in, insane doing it with simplicity, right? Like, it's not like he's coming up with the, the, the molecular gastronomy. Look what no. I'm doing with this. That it is, I'm going to grill a piece of salmon to perfection. I'm going to have a, a whimsical little accompaniment that makes sense, grilled peaches. And then I'm going to balance that with some spice. Like, like, he ain't reinventing the wheel here. He is just perfecting the wheel. Man, that was that is a dish. Like as I'm hearing it, and I'm not just because I did the pepper challenge, but man, a habanero chili uh, sauce with the grilled peaches and the salmon. Sign me up. You know, it's not the most sophisticated dish. It didn't have any sort of, uh, like you said, it what it, it didn't take a master scientist to to pull off that dish. But uh, even Jeremiah Towers, like, wait a minute, grilled peaches and salmon? I don't get it. And then blew their faces off with it. So. Uh, Gregory continues his absolute trampling of this competition. He had tw- 10 wins, uh, five quick fire wins in the last season in, in season Boston, t- season 12, Boston, five elimination challenge wins, five quick fire, tr- uh, wins, and then wins this episode. So man, the win percentage on him is very much 2016 golden state warriors. Tom, he is a monster. Now, I don't have a lot to be happy about in terms of my box score, but there were some silver linings. And I'll tell you one of my silver linings, Tom. I'm feeling very good about Stephanie right now. Yes. She, she did a prawn with charred tomato and charred corn, little crispy onion and potatoes. And all I was thinking, Tom, is this is a woman who understands what a challenge is. You're going to nail the protein. You're going to figure out which accompaniments are going to be most fire friendly. This is the little, this is the sort of highlight of the challenge. We want you to use this open fire. You know what? Great. I'm going to char some tomatoes. I'm going to char some corn because that's what you char on an open grill. This isn't brain surgery. This is top chef. Recognize the contours of the challenge, nail your protein, and you're good. And she made one of the four or five best dishes of the night or the day. And I am feeling really good about Stephanie. I think we're seeing she was sent home on a technicality, really bad luck that, you know, um, Nick Elney, uh kind of screwing her uh, with the immunity. 
And this is a chef that very well could have been in a finale. If not for that, she is cooking well. She did she did good work in the quick fire we saw. She nailed this. She was on the winning team. She was a big part of the win. I'm feeling very good on a week that I don't have a lot to feel good about, Tom. I'm feeling very good. I I thought um so so didn't Tom Colicchio say that the winner of this would be the best average of the three dishes or what, what was the criteria here? Because all three of these dishes were fantastic. And, and as Tom said, you know, the only fault that he could have was Jamie leaving out his muscles out to dry a little bit. Yeah. Um, but the cream with the embers uh, that was brilliant. Having it sliced through the, uh, through the colander. Um, I love that dish. And, the, and what's funny is, the only interaction that I've had with Jamie here in Charlotte, he was telling me about how he's just, um, and this this might be a great topic of conversation if we have him on, is he was using these giant motherfucking grills, like these huge <laughs> grills that he was just out in the backyard. He was telling me all about it, how amazing it is. I was like, oh yeah, I got one of those Weber grills, charcoal grills. And he's like, I got to tell you, you got to get this uh, giant grill. He was uh, just, just talking about this. And I was like, wait a minute, this episode is exactly that. And I want to see what Jamie does. And he nailed it. It was an incredible dish. And then Stephanie, that dish that she did, I agree with you is exactly kind of the, not the minimalist, um, of a, of a California cuisine dish, but she nailed it. She it's, we always talk about, you want to have something that you can execute. And she executed it very, very well. Now, Gregory is on another level. Uh, Yellow, I thought Yellow would come out with the victory when they were lining him up. Um, But, man, uh, Aqua had a good showing. Team Blue had a good showing. Uh, I don't know if we have time to go through every single one of these dishes, but Team Yellow was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, let's run through them real quick. I mean, so Aqua, you're right. Brian Voltaggio does the sable fish with corn porridge. Um, a couple Didn't, quick comments. Not a good visual. Not, not a, a good visual. visual. I have a couple comments. I mean, one is here's what he did well, and I think we saw this with Gregory too. If you're going to grill fish, it's got to be fatty. You want salmon. You want sable fish, right? Like you want a fatty fish if mm. it's going to be on the grill. One of Leanne's problems wasn't just that weird oil flare-up. Halibut is very delicate. It is a tough fish to grill. It is lean. It is delicate. Sablefish and salmon, that's where you want to be. And the other thing I think we learned from Brian is, to your point, you need to watch the mushy textures. Judges on this show do not take kindly to it. You hear comments like baby food, mush, the dish was muddled. You have to be careful with your porridges, with your polentas, with your starchy purees. They like crunch. You always hear Gail sometimes, I love the crunch. And Brian's got to watch that because I'm telling you, like it, it happened in a couple of different dishes on this show. To, you got to watch the mush. Eric, keep it simple. He kept it simple. He came with flavor and simplicity. The Chesapeake boil. Lisa, by the way, you know, we've been we've been dumping on Lisa a little bit. You know, Tom loved it. You take a you, ch- you char your shrimp and your scallop. You cut them up. You put some other elements. You got to serve it cold. You and I are both fans of the ceviche from living in Miami. She nails it. It's hard to do a, a ceviche or a crudo in a on a on an open wood fire grill, right? Like that is that is a tough dish to pull off in the heat. You got to keep it super cold, and it sounds like they did a good job here. Yeah, I mean, I, I think give up, give it up to Lisa. She 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 nailed it. Uh, green again. We saw it was sort of the no assholes theory. I'm going to draft. I'm going to assemble a team with nice people. Uh, Angelo had a texture problem. His oyster with with congee. Oh. Um, Tom was not a fan. Flemmy. And you and I Flemmy, love oysters. Baby too. Fish. Yeah. Flem was not. That, Flem is, that's a really unna, unappealing thing to, to, to talk about in terms of food. Um, but Melissa, I think Melissa had a great week, Tom Haberstroh. Swordfish yep. with a hot and sour sauce and those charred chicory, radicchio. I mean, and people just love that. Again, what she, she kind of went, she and Stephanie nailed the protein. The grill is the featured quality and feature did she throw the whole head of radicchio I in think, the in yeah, the, the embers yeah i mean wow. you just like just i love like charred uh, chicory is, is is wonderful and it was wonderful mm. um and then karen my girl karen again grilled scallop with a ginger plum uh as 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 gail simmons said she kind of she showcased the protein but got some of that brightness in green did very well angelo notwithstanding uh and then the blue team the blue team uh you know, if not for Kevin, who had the most visually stunning dish with the swordfish eye braised in that chorizo, olive, and pea thing. Uh, Nancy Silverson said it was a cover shot. Unfortunately, 
uh, it was regarded as a disaster. Hard to know. Um, but Jen Carroll, Tom, Jen Carroll with the lunchy tuna loin with grilled kale. I mean, looked awesome. Yeah. Again, they swooned. Yeah. The, uh, everyone said I would, I would have that dish every day for lunch if I could. Um, and you know, she, she nailed her dish. I want to go back real quick to, to Angelo. Okay. The oyster on a bed of porridge. Again, what are you texture? What, 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 like you're in heat, you're in the summer, what looks like to be the summer of Los Angeles. And, and real quick, what beach were they at? And can you give me just kind of a scouting report on where they were? Well, they said San Pedro. So you'd be down closer to Long Beach, Palos Verdes. That that is sort of an away game for me. San Pedro is actually nice because there's actually an old Greek community there. Uh, and, and, you know, it's where Longshoremen and had this very, you know, like my, my, the fish lady that I buy from at the Hollywood Farmer's Market, Marilyn. Hello, Marilyn, if you're listening. Uh, <sighs> she comes up from San Pedro. So it's a... It's, it's, it's got to be hot out there, yeah? It seemed like there well, was a sweaty day. That's what's funny. I mean, the thing about L.A. that I don't think people realize is it's rarely hot at the beach. It can be warm, but the, the Pacific Ocean is natural air conditioning. And it is very uncommon to go to the beach on a summer day and it being even a little chilly, you know, like, or just certainly not hot. So I was kind of surprised. Uh, it might be one of those beaches that's Southern facing, which means it will be a little hotter, but, uh, just yeah. if you're going to do an oyster, Kevin, like you gotta chill it, that sure, shit. Gotta chill it. Gotta you can't put it on shit. some porridge. It just didn't, that dish did not make sense to me. And I, and I'm a big fan of Angelo, but that one, whenever you're described, your, your food is described as phlegmy, um, not a good sign. And also Angelo props on the dad joke. Did you catch that in oh, there? Sh- oh, shucks. How's it going over there, Angelo? Oh, shucks. shucks. And man, just nailed it. And there was a, a nice little vignette about him as a father um, and just nailed that dad joke. So shouts to uh, Angelo with that one. Now, I, um, I, the Leanne pouring the oil and burning the carb, getting all carbony on on her uh, dish. You know, one of those bonehead moves, of course. But man, can we just have a thirty minutes of Nini fanning a, fl- uh, a fire? That'd be—it's amazing. That was an amazing little segment there of Nini just delicately fanning a fire. <laughs> Kevin coming over and be like, "This is how you fan a fire," and she's like, "Yeah, that's right. You got a beard. You must know how to make a fire and grill." So I love those moments. You know, with so many people uh, in the show this early in the show, you're not really getting a lot of backstory. The soap opera ness of the of Top Chef that you saw, you know, when when Lisa's just chewing out uh, Marcel uh, or Dale. Like we we don't get a lot of that on this this early in the show. But I love the little scenes that they showed and the the food. All around, I thought was really strong, really strong. And of course, when it, with an all-star cast, you should be expecting that. But um, I got to say, I was surprised that that Kevin's dish was overcooked because this is a, a grill master. Uh, I really feel like Kevin would have would have done this better. Uh, you know, nine times out of ten, it was just that tenth time that he overcooked uh, his dish. It looked fantastic. Um, that was a surprise to me, but man, they were all really strong. Yeah. Nini. I mean, Nini is, I I mean, I, I took a perfectly shot on perfectly good scout, the char Brussels sprout. She's in it. She's in it to win it. Um, so, uh, where are you on your team? Uh, do you, I mean, you must be feeling good. You get, you racked up a ton of points. You, You know, Gregory justified his number one pick. You know, you got yourself some Vitage, uh, you got both. Do I have Voltaggio? No, you have Voltaggio. I got Voltaggio. Here's my team. You got Voltaggio and Eric, both of whom showed well. Gregory, Eric, Brian, Melissa, Jen, Leanne, Jamie. That's my team. Your team, Kevin, Nini, Karen, Joe, Stephanie, Angelo, Brian, Malarkey. So I come out with 26 points after this week. If we're doing the one per contestant in the quickfire winning team, 26 to 10, Kevin. It wasn't your strongest week, but I will say Stephanie showed out for you yeah stephanie showed out i i love what i see from karen you know again this was one of those situations where you know the scoring doesn't always reflect right i mean we've got um you know like for instance you know not everybody who had the best dishes necessarily got points and yeah, it was a weird ep- when you have a, a lot episode. of teams yeah. when you have a team effort you, you, you don't you know like when tom is at the judge's table and he's describing some of his favorite dishes 
and they're not on the winning team, I'm, I kind of sit there. I'm like, ah, you know, this is where we've talked about on the show a bunch that team play can kind of, even though it's kind of a gimmick you have to do when you have 15 contestants, um, it's it kind of it, it's not a meritocracy. If, right. if someone has a great dish on a shitty team, they're not going to be the winner, even though all else equal, they're the winning dish. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of like being on the floor with Chris Paul. You know, there's guys who do it for a couple seasons. You think they're uh, really amazing, and it turns out their field goal percentage was is reflective of him as it was of them. <laughs> uh, that's the thing. But so so in a certain sense, like I, I don't love the you know looking up at the scoreboard this morning, but I have to say. You know, I'm liking what I see from Karen. I'm liking what I see. Nini had the second best dish in the quick fire. She nailed her, her, her elimination dish. You know, Kevin, I'm not worried about, right? Like he, he kind of laid an egg with the swordfish, but I think the concept was right there. And this is not a guy I worry about fucking up his proteins every week, right? Like, like it, it, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. I'm loving what I'm seeing from Stephanie. Uh, I don't know how long Angelo is for this competition, Tom, to be honest with you. Uh, and you know what, Brian? I, you know, like he he put together which, a nice which Brian, program. which Malarkey, which Brian? Malarkey, yeah, yeah. So like you got, I got to tell you, the score doesn't look great this morning. Joe was a disappointment. There's nobody else other than Angelo. I'm a little concerned that that you know he he will be out um, shortly. But I'm uh, I'm feeling okay about these others. Uh, I get to give a shout out here to Vince Mancini, who does the power rankings on Up Rocks for Top Chef power rankings. And it's a great read every week. And the way he described Brian Malarkey is fantastic. He said he also has this odd way of speaking where it looks like he's over enunciating, but all of his words come out under enunciated, which was fantastic. I read that and I was like, yes, that's exactly what it is. Brian Malarkey just nailed that description on, uh, on, on Up Rocks. And I think... When you look at the power rankings that he has, um, I disagree on a couple of them, but Nini at ten, come yeah. on, you know, I know, I know, um, but you know, when I when I read this, it's a great read, um, and I, I giggle probably ten ten different times, but I I will say this on uh, the rest of the show, if I can go back, Eric Ajapong, okay, when he is talking about how he's going to box out everybody and he's going to get, get to the proteins, but before everybody talking a big game and then he's got to learn his boxing out skills. He got boxed out. And I thought Eric being the athlete that he is, and he's a huge Knicks fan that he's going to be a Charles Oakley underneath there. He's going to be Ron Harper, just throwing elbows to get to his protein. And then he comes back to Lisa and is like, this is all I got. Come on, Eric. Like, come on, get, throw out some elbows out there. So he he I was disappointed in that and that three seconds of them running to the to the table as Angelo called it the running of the bulls I thought Eric was gonna just like mm, clear it out clear it out but yeah um, and other notes I had here for the episode um, uh, Brian Voltaggio it kind of feels like he's the dad or the coach of this cast don't you get that feeling where like everyone's uh, not worshiping him, but kind of feeling like he doesn't belong here. Like he's too good for this. Cause doesn't he like give the, he went and did the toast he was out the on the master, back yeah. deck. He did the toast. Like, Hey, uh, everybody saw you've been watching you. Uh, you're doing a great job. And I just want to say, uh, it's great to be cooking here with you all. And I'm like, I'm sitting here. I'm like, I feel like Voltaggio is overqualified for this competition. Doesn't mean he's going to win, but it does feel like that, um, that, that guy who comes back to play, varsity basketball comes back to practice he's been playing college ball for two years and he comes back to the practice and just whoops everybody and you're kind of like this isn't fun like we know you're better than us but gregory might be the equalizer here gregory might just like wipe wipe the floor um with brian so i just kind of felt like voltaggio given the fact that he's already been a judge on top chef um as eric described Kind of getting these vibes that uh, maybe they're setting us up for an early out for Brian, but he just feels like he's the dad or the coach of this group. All right, let me ask you. I'm going to put you on the spot, Tom. Who goes farther for you, Voltaggio or Eric? Oh, man. You had to take one. You had to, if, had you had to, to, if you had to take one, what you know after week one, who you got? Oof. That's a good, you know what? 
Uh, I'm reading too much into the uh, to the production side. I'm going to go with Eric is going to outlast Brian here. And and you know what? I picked wasn't wasn't Eric. I picked Eric before Brian. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. You did. So I still feel good about Eric over Brian. I got no qualms about Eric. I mean, again, I the Nini Eric three four pick is will be. I don't know that I'll ever have a harder choice um, on this competition. There's just something about Nini. I just feel like she. I mean, we didn't get to see anything. I mean, what is she, the only thing we know she doesn't do well is run the front of the house. All we ever see are wins. And, and again, she was essentially a co-winner on the on this quick fire. She, you know, had as good a dish. She could have been on a winning team and we'd be talking mm-hmm. about her in different terms. I just feel like, you know, maybe maybe if I have to defend, that, that's a problem. I, I just feel like everybody, I mean, I'm looking at, I'm looking at our friends, Vince's power rankings here. She's sitting at number 10. I'm thinking, what are you thinking, my friend? Um, she is, uh, so if I had, if I had Nini on my team, yeah, you'd be, you'd be trying to trade for her. Probably. Yeah. I wouldn't. Anyone, I, yeah. anyone on my team that you were kind of like, mm, I wish, I wish I had them on my team. Yeah. Right you now. know, I, I mean, I, look, I had a choice between Joe Sasto and Melissa King and boy, do I feel silly right now? You know, I, I, I would say that, um, that was, and and that was on my board, right? Like I I I sandbagged Stephanie because I knew you didn't have any interest. I just kind of knew she's not your kind of contestant, and I knew I could probably get around to the ten. Um, I figured you wouldn't have her higher than ten on your board, so I kind of sandbagged her, even though I had high hopes. But Melissa, I'm having real buyer's remorse right about now. I just think she she's she's clearly she was a young chef, and she played well. Now she's a seasoned chef and she knows what exactly what the fuck she's doing. All right. Trade call. All right. Melissa King. I'm offering Melissa King for Stephanie Seymour and Angelo Sosa. Right. But that leaves me with yeah, one I know. fewer though. How, how bad do you want Melissa? Not that bad. Okay. I mean, not that bad. I mean, the, the one for twos, just, just to give you a little, Scout you, you said you you I'm not you a didn't... one for two guy because here's the thing. Those are still points, right? Like Angelo's I mean, unless you think that Angelo is a negative, I'm getting well, zero you said points. you thought you know what? You showed your cards in saying that you didn't think he was long for this competition. So I'm I'm acting like he's a he's right, a so throwing let's go to the scoring system here. So if let's say I thought he was gonna be eliminated the next two weeks. Let's go to the scoring system here. So elimination is minus five. So let's say I think he's going to get eliminated. He probably has a, maybe a top three quick fire. Let's just price him in for he's on a winning team or some shit. Or even he gets lucky. All right. So that would be minus four. And then if he finished middle, like let's say he finished middle the next two weeks and then got eliminated and had a top three. So you're right. Like if I don't think he's much for this competition, what I'm basically saying is he might be a net zero over the next several weeks, next three weeks. I mean, it's an interesting proposition. Look, I like Stephanie. I like Melissa. I don't know that I like Melissa any more than I like Stephanie. I think Stephanie's a Final Four okay. Okay. player. I just I, Melissa's just stronger than I. You know, looking back, I I probably should have had her higher on the board. All right. Well, the, um, you know, I just wanted to connect with you on that trade. You can always come back to it and counter. Um, you know, I just wanted to kind of send the feelers out, just kind of get that conversation going. Uh. I mean, a pick swap. Pick swaps I kind of like as, <laughs> as currency. I like pick swaps. So so a straight up Stephanie and Melissa with a pick swap you're more amenable to? Yeah, I'd be more amenable to that. I mean, I don't know. Like, like I just giving up a contestant is just giving, I mean, as you say, like the net contestant, even the average contestant, even the below average contestant still nets points, right? I mean, right. very And few- remember, Last Chance Kitchen, you do have the ability to rack up That's points. true. That's true. That's true. I just don't have a lot of I don't have a lot of faith in Angelo right now. I'm, I'm feeling a little like you know he'd be kind of falling out of the rotation if I were an NBA coach. I, I don't know. I just I'm, I'm not feeling good about that. I think you should be feeling good about Jamie. I, I think you should be feeling good about Jen Carroll. I, I got to tell you, I got a little team envy right now. Yeah. Well, so so fire up the trade machine, Kevin, I'll on the, on the off season, on the off on, off week. Uh, in between episodes, you can uh, you can fire up the trade machine. Send me some uh, trade options. And then we can revisit. All right, Tom, we got 14 contestants left. We got a free agency call in a couple weeks. We got a lot going on. I'm very excited. 
It's a great, great first episode. Um, you know, I think Gregory is the far and away the favorite oh, at this point. I mean, I don't, I don't know that I can recall a season where I felt more confident about the favorite. Uh, he's just, it is Gregory and it is everybody else. Yeah. What is the, what is the, the best championship loser of all time? Blaze like, coming in second. No, no, no! I'm saying, I'm saying in the NBA. Is it, is it the '04 Lakers? Like, what's the most dominant? Team? It's, well, it's the 2016 no, the the Warriors. Warriors. Yeah, 2016 Warriors. Warriors. Yeah, like Gregory. Gregory is the 2016 Warriors, where he wasn't the number one. He didn't win his season, but I kind of feel like he's an all timer. Yeah, I, I think some of those Spurs teams, um, also like 13 was just ridiculously good. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know the Heat for the Heat and that that crazy finish. Um, also, like, you're going to say, you know what other team? The 15-16 Spurs. Spurs. I mean, even <laughs> yeah. though, I mean, they won 67 games. It's just yeah. the, I mean, they were awesome. That was the Kawhi Leonard uh, ankle, right? Uh, was that the was that when that he, year or was the next I think Zaza. Wasn't it? Was, was, it, was next, that 17, though? It might have been 17. It might be. I think um, Zaza was a 17. Yeah, because 16 didn't have Zaza. Yeah, the 10-11 Spurs. I mean, basically, like. But anyway, all right, Tom, I'll take us out. I'm looking forward to it. For Tom Haberstow, this is Kevin Arnovitz, and this is Pack Your Knives.